Eric from the Village Church, and Andy's across from me from Mission Church. Last week, we did not do a podcast. We're sorry about that. My mom was having surgery. Yeah, I mean, and I had nothing to say. So I just, <laughs> I was like, without Andy, I got one week oh, of man. things to say. <laughs> and my time was limited. But um, yeah, so we talked a little bit about Mexican food. And then we just went into the Holy Spirit. Yep. So uh, if you're into Mexican food, great. If you're not, you can skip forward just a couple minutes and then it's Holy Spirit the rest of the day. It's awesome. (laughs) Enjoy. Wow. This is incredible. (laughs) It is incredible. Well, welcome. Welcome. World leaders and uh, celebrities abroad. I know that you've been waiting for this moment. Uh, live faith over breakfast. Live faith over breakfast. I'm not insecure about this at all. I'm not self-aware. No, me neither. And um, fortunately, nobody's watching. Nobody's watching at this moment. We can even find out. Nobody's watching. Yeah. Good. Oh, good. We're perfectly fine. <laughs> okay. Sweet. <laughs> that makes me feel much better. Yeah, it makes me feel better, too. Yeah. So, so you texted me. Then you want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I did. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. There, I asked you if, let's let's get the real deal here. I asked you if you had a topic. You did not. No, I did not have a topic. So then I, I thought for a while, and some things have come up. So there have been some questions in our church about the Holy Spirit. Um, people are coming from different church backgrounds. There are, there are different expectations of how a church would talk about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, I think one question that was brought up was, you don't invite the Holy Spirit? Mm. And so, oh, okay, yeah, that's true, we don't. You at your church don't invite the Holy Spirit? uh, Not formally. Formally. (laughs) There's not a formal (laughs) invitation to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But but I know know where these folks are coming from, because I I grew up uh, in churches where words like that were used. And so it's made us have some discussion, not not tons and tons, but some discussion on okay, how do we speak about that? What are we what do we mean? Do we think the Holy Spirit is just always with us? Do we need to invite the Holy Spirit? Um what kind of language should we use? So that's that's just something that's come up around our our world. Cool. So so I so I threw it out there. Yeah, and I actually and then, think if we go back through the texts, I suggested at one point that we do the Holy did. Spirit. You probably did. We had to go another direction. And then um, I'm guessing that the tie was the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the bowels, Mexican food. That's Mexican, how you got, yeah, got all the way so to somehow Mexican you proposed back Mexican food. And I, there must be some kind of tie for you in your mind between the two. Um, and for me, there, there, I get more of a feeling within myself after eating Mexican food. Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a movement of the Holy Spirit or something. Of something. Well, no, I just think uh, that Tucson is this amazing place for Mexican food, one. But two... This city is all about food. Like, that's one of its things. You come to Tucson that you go to places to eat. Yeah. Other places, they don't do that. Not not in the same way. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to go to some Midwestern yeah, place the for the restaurants. That's true. Like, you know, Seattle and Tucson have, the, or, you know, New York City. Tucson sort of has the, uh, 
It has the shafts of a bigger, of a bigger, yeah. more metropolitan city. That's true, which is cool. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, we like talking about food. You like food. Maybe we could just have a tiny little food moment. We, oh, yeah. it doesn't have to be long. We could just say, hey, my favorite food restaurant is blah. And, move on. and, and you're making this disclaimer because I was like. Hey, like people don't want to hear us dialogue like this. They don't. I don't. Um, and, and then you apparently think. Apparently nobody does. Yeah. And then you said, no, they do. And then I said, oh. And that's kind of where we left off, right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, Okay. Mexican food. Mexican let's, food. Let's get it over with. Let's get the Mexican food over with. Uh, yeah, I mean, I went to Texas once. Um, I, I've only been to Texas once. Maybe once? Once. Maybe twice. Maybe been drove to through. Texas once. And, um, and I remember, for whatever reason, realizing that I went. we went to a Mexican food restaurant, and I was like, this is not, this is in Tucson, like, bottom of the barrel Mexican food. Right. But it was like the only, or it was the recommended place. I thought, oh. Uh, I think that's when it first dawned on me that maybe the Mexican food here was better than what other people experienced. Yes. Yeah. It is. And Texas is close to the border. Part so of it. just like, what is one of your favorite Mexican food restaurants? I haven't, that you just kind of uh, go to, you got, you got, mm. you can take your family and you got $35. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to spend more than 35 bucks. Well, we go to La Prius Suiza all the time, but it's my mother and father-in-law's favorite. Yes. And my wife grew up going there. I would not say it's my favorite. It's Mexico City style. I yeah. like it. I, and I'm used to it. The and I know exactly what I'm going to order. And it, I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't put it on the top of my list, but it's where we go more, the most. Yeah. And it's also in my neighborhood. I was so. going to say, it's <laughs> right there by your house. So that, that's, that all works. <laughs> it does work that way. Um, so we go there a lot, but I like, I, I actually like trying new carts and trucks and, and I, okay. and then there's the old, st- and I also like getting a breakfast burrito at Nico's. Yes. Cause I've been doing that since I was in high school. Breakfast burrito at Nico's. Yeah. I love a breakfast burrito at Nico's. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What's to you the sign of a good Mexican food restaurant? I have one. I'll share in a second. Okay. Well, What's for me, I, I think there's kind of two things. One it's their salsa. Like, how good is their salsa? Yeah. And I have certain standards. It's like, I, I don't like super chunky salsa. I mean, I like that on top of my food, but if I'm going to dip my chip in something, mm. I want mm-hmm. something that's really hot and yet not watery. Yeah, right. You know, and it has a little yeah. bit of flavor to it. So I'm looking for that. You look for salsa. I'm yeah. looking for the service. And what I mean is, I want bad service. Bad service? Yeah. Because... The, some of the best food I've had has been at places, especially Mexican food places, where the people seem like they don't want to interact with me at all, and the food is delicious. And I've decided that if a place survives having horrific service, the food must be amazing. Yeah, I would agree. And if you're trying too hard in the Mexican food world here in Tucson to have great service, it probably means your food's lacking something. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. Yeah, I think like our go-to, yours is La Prius Huesa. It's, you know, it, it is what it is. Ours is Rosa's. Oh, yeah. Very good. But if you eat at Rosa's, you're not going to, like, you're going to taste garlic until the next week. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, garlic is in everything. Yeah. Right down the way from, from Rosa's is uh, Taqueria Pueblito, which has some, some super good burritos mm-hmm. as well. Same complex. And there you go. 
I mean, it's just a little bit of, there's so much Mexican food. Yeah. I, I apparently had missed the boat on Tacos Opson for years, which is apparently everybody knows about it. I did not. It's amazing. Um, had a, you know, just so we can get an explicit E on this podcast, I did have the, uh, the testicle taco there. The testicle taco. It's not called that. It's something, it's balls is in the name. Interesting. Um, so there you go. Live. Live. Uh, we watched, but, we lost our one viewer, so that's yeah, fine. they tuned out. <laughs> they tuned out really quick. See, they're like, oh gosh, they're <laughs> they're, mono, they're just talking about. So, so let's talk about the Holy Spirit, please. Yeah, let's move on <laughs> to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting. Like uh, people, even in the Pentecostal movement, where the Holy Spirit seems to be a more focus, right. there's still always a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit of God interacts with us and how. We interact with the Spirit of God. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And there's so many versions of Pentecostalism. Um, what would you, you've told, you've said before, you grew up in like Brethren Baptist? Well, yeah, I started in the Brethren until I was seven. And then from there, it was mo- more kind of what I would call mainstream Baptist theology. And then you moved to the Cistern. The Cisterns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And then I moved to the, uh, uh, what do you call it? The, um, New Covenant people, the what are they? They're not the Christian, but the uh, uh, you, wasn't it the, it's the EPC, EPC, Evangelical Presbyterian yeah, Church? Yeah. So that was my introduction to more Reformed understanding, okay, of the Bible, of the Spirit of God, this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I grew up, I grew up all over the map, but early years uh, Pentecostal. So, um. You know, I forget every once in a while you meet somebody that has a common experience. And yeah. so Nick and I at our church, he, he also grew up in around some pretty expressive versions of Pentecostalism. So if you go to our church and you wonder why is everything muted, you know, it's because we both, we saw some crazy stuff and we're, right. we're both a little bit um, hesitant because yeah. of abuses uh, we saw. I also saw a moderate version of Pentecostalism um, that, you know, I'm somewhat comfortable with. Um, but even, I, I still have a lot of questions. Actually, when I went back to Oregon, I went back to the church where I grew up, and it felt very similar. But even in that, there were moments where, so somebody spoke in tongues and uh that church believes you need to interpret the speaking of tongues because the spirit is actually speaking to people, which I appreciate that they actually try sure. to do that mm-hmm. and abide by that. But the, and nobody, nobody stood to interpret and the pastor stepped in and did it. And what he said was so generic. I thought anybody could just say that. Right. And, I almost feel like he was sparing the person embarrassment. Right. And it just didn't, it didn't come across to me as like, wow, this is the spirit of God saying something incredible. It was just like, yeah, this, you know, someone was hoping that what they had was a word from God and sure. he interpreted it. So they didn't right. feel weird. Right. So we have, we have those expressions. Yep. It, uh, I mean, you started, and I guess if we want, I don't want to do too much uh, Bible work here because that's not kind of been our subject. But 
if you start in John 14, you have a t- the talk about what the Spirit of God does for mm-hmm. us in the sense of being our counselor, being the one who reminds us of things, like being the presence of Jesus with all of us because sure. you know Jesus left and sent his Spirit. Um, we just had a, we were in the book of Numbers now at church, and we just had a interesting moment crop up that was mentioned in the sermon a couple weeks ago, but where Moses had the spirit of God and he complained to God and was given a set of elders, 70 elders who were given a portion, a portion of the spirit of of the spirit of God, which was an, is an interesting idea, but, and we didn't, that wasn't the main point of that sermon or that text. And so we didn't go off on that. But but it was interesting to see this idea of they were prophesying, which you know I, most commentators in that sense take to mean that they were um, speaking of the Word of God or on behalf of the Word of the God, word of God <clears throat> in that setting. And, and Moses was thankful that somebody else was bearing the burden of the people right. with him. So, so you see that the... Moses is burdened. It's too much for him to bear. Other people begin to bear the burden with him by the power of the Spirit. Of course, the Spirit's there at creation. Right. Um, Hovering over the deep. Hovering over the deep, active. So I I think what you think about a lot of times is the early church. So you have Acts 1 and 2, where the upper room, the flames, the speaking in tongues, the prophesying, the, the boldness of Peter... And then the growth of the church and lots of different acts of the spirit being moved out in, in the book of Acts. <laughs> right. Um, and Pentecost is an important day because it's yes. the day, I mean, they would have seen significance. It was the day that they that they celebrated God's provision for them and giving them the first, and they would give him the first fruits of their crops. Right. And, um, it seems like there is some, some sort of direct parallel of the church receiving the spirit on that day and the church's growth on that day yes yeah yeah so i mean what it comes down to is uh, a lot of times is how do you and i in our everyday life and then in our gathered life on sundays engage with the spirit of god and what does that mean and what does that mean so i mean we do believe that when we embrace the cross and confess our sins and invite jesus to be part of us um, and to save us the spirit of god is given to us Right. So that that's a distinct thing that you and I would share yes. that some people would not. Right. Because in church circles that I've been in, and, and you know, maybe our, our folks aren't aware of the, the various flavors out there, right? Like right. Church circles I've been in, there's there's a belief in a second act of grace. This is very, it comes from the teaching of John Wesley. Right. Who's a good guy. Um, but the second act of grace is... A receiving of the spirit. So one could be a Christian and not have the spirit. Um, there's some text of scripture where I see where they get that idea. Um, I disagree with it. Um, I, I believe that the spirit is actually present in the heart of a person, enabling them to see Jesus mm-hmm. and believe and there, and therefore, Belief is by the work of the Spirit, and the Spirit indwells the believer right. from then on. And is in the process of um, 
transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Yeah, and none of that would happen without the work. Of, right. like, that is the work, work of, of the, the Spirit. Spirit. Every yes. bit of comfort, every bit of conviction, every right. bit of sanctification, holy, like the work of holiness inside right. of us is by the Spirit. Right. And if you didn't have the Spirit, it wouldn't be happening. Right. So, like, is it is it Frank Lloyd-Jones? Is that Frank is his, his first name? Martin. Martin Lloyd-Jones? Yeah. yeah. I always want to call him Frank. It's Yeah, it's a good name. Uh, yeah, but I think he gives an interesting <laughs> illustration about the Spirit of God and that he talks about um, you know, that well, everything we just talked about, but then he talks about like the spirit of God coming on us yeah. to do works that we cannot do on our own strength. Right. And so, so in some ways he gives the, he gives a, I think the story he gives is that when we step into the kingdom of God and follow Jesus and are given the spirit, that's like a little kid holding the hand of a parent. Hmm. You're walking, you're working out your salvation. Jesus right. is pulling you. The Holy spirit is taking you in the direction you need to go, but you're doing it with them. Yeah. But then there are moments like when you come to the the road and there are lots of cars going by and you can't cross a little kid. You don't know how to negotiate that. And so Jesus, like the spirit picks you up and carries you across the road and and empowers you. And a lot of times, uh, at least his examples of that is like as we face very difficult things in our life or ministry things that seem are impossible for us alone in the sense of. Like we, the spirit must do all of it. it. Must work like just in a powerful way beyond what seems humanly possible. Yeah, uh, and then and then the other, I mean, roles such as comforting. There are time like right. profound moments where you would, where I mean, of course, when you're in the depths of sorrow, the spirit would engage in comforting you, right. and you might have a more um, profound relation or not relationship but experience of the spirit in a moment like that right i mean i would okay so i've got a couple of thoughts here like i think it'd be interesting to know when we've felt like we've experienced the spirit the most and i would say in some situations i've been in people would say that they've experienced it most in some kind of um very emotional gathering yes and I I actually can look back on those types of experiences myself. And personally, I think some of those I wasn't experiencing the spirit because I've right. also experienced the exact same thing at a rap concert. Yes. Right? right. Or something like where you get caught up in, in an emotional moment. Uh, but there are other times in a gathering where I, I do believe that I indeed, you know, that there was a shared experience that people sure. had. So I'm not totally denying that. I just think we can get them confused. But um, what are some profound moments for you where you've said, like, you looked back and you went, wow, I, f- wow. I feel like well, that, like the spirit was. Moving in my life or speaking. We or just had a funny, profound. we had a conversation with Rod over yes. breakfast about that phrase, like the spirit is moving. It's it's an interesting one to me. Yes. But anyway, that's just, well, a, that's just a words question. I think, you know. Was the spirit like kind of sitting in a corner and now he's moving? <laughs> But, well, um, well, but it's but, interesting. Let's talk about, like, Tim Keller says something very fascinating to me that kind of, you know, he talks about the Holy Spirit falling on churches. Mm-hmm. And he says that you can't manipulate the no. Spirit to do that, but you can be ready for the Spirit yeah. to fall. And the Spirit does fall in a way of, and, and I know these are words, but like, it's, just, it's kind of comes from the Acts 1 idea that this, yeah. the Spirit just kind of dumps over people and there's, there is a euphoria. There is something beyond yourself yeah. that you experience. 
So I guess that that definitely does happen. And I just, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying like the, I just don't know if we know what we mean when we say moving of the spirit. Like, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell the most recent one. And I, so the way our church went to two services was a quote unquote movement of the Holy Spirit and that I was working on a sermon at uh, a coffee shop not thinking about our church going yeah. to two services, just enjoying the word of God, trying to outline what I wanted to say. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I hear very distinctly within my brain a voice saying, Eric, you need to go to two services and you need to do it as soon as possible. Hmm. And so, you know, what I believe about the Holy Spirit is that I can't, if I hear that, I can't then go to my community and say, well, this is what the Holy Spirit said. We all must do it. So I, you know, called Rod and asked him what he thought. Then we, t- I talked to the elders and we prayed over it and right. they agreed. And then it went through this process until our entire church affirmed, yes, right. you heard the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and Versus so, and, you kind of uh, asserting that over people without asking. Right. right. So that's the one, that, that's kind but, of a leadership. the spirit is shared within the church. This, there should be some form of agreement. Right. I think that's important. The other one is just, I have been at certain services where I have no other way of explaining it. And I actually have had this at concerts too that sure. aren't religious. Right. But there is a spirit. There, that this yeah. is, there's a heaviness that you do not experience normally. Yeah. That, But for me, the ones that I've had at church or at particular conferences is that it's a convicting challenging like weight that that like pushes all the kind of chaos out of my brain and you can tell it's going on around you right. in different ways and you're like no i the kingdom of god is all that is important and what am i going to do right. and there's sort of a sense of re- deep repentance and sorrow yeah. over my own sin like that, and then I don't always get that when I walk into you know any service, but sure. I've had those experiences. And you can't sign up for that and conjure it. it <laughs> no, it just you know I've had profoundly impacting moments, and and even ones where you wonder, especially because of feedback I've heard from my preaching, which is interesting. But like there are moments where somebody said something; it's been very profoundly impactful for me. I realized maybe it wasn't for somebody else. Like, but but that you know, for whatever reason, stuck to me and became a very important thing that right. I needed to hear. Like one one of my experiences recently was a lady at our church referenced something I said in a sermon and just said, you have no idea that, you know, I was, I had mentioned a day of the week. I, I want to say I said something about Tuesday. And the interesting thing was that I, it wasn't in my notes. It wasn't, it was this weird little side comment that I thought was kind of a, offhand, almost comedic thing I said um, that was just kind of, I was like adding in words, it felt like, just filling in some space. And I said something about even if, you know, next Tuesday you were to do, you know, so and so and so. And she came up and just said, you know, there's this thing coming up for me on Tuesday. Interesting. And... I've been struggling with it and, you know, and I just want you to know that God, like, you know, I can't believe you talked about Tuesday and I'm going, 
I can't believe I talked about it Tuesday, right? But realizing like there was something more, you know, and I, I looked at that and I went, wow, I think, I think the spirit of God knew what she was going through and prompted me to say a thing that I did not understand that was helpful to her, you know? And, um, so that would be a time where I felt a deep awareness of the work of the spirit in a, in a certain moment. Right. And then, um, there was a, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I added in a scripture at the last minute that seemed to have deep impact on someone um, that I didn't, it was just a thing where I was like, oh, I'll put that in there, you know? And, right. and you go, wow. And then the fact that somebody says that was impactful to me. Uh, another one that's, that's interesting is, I mean, one of my deepest moments of trouble, um, which is actually when I was amidst going through divorce there was a moment of clarity that I cannot, you know, ascribe to anything but, but the spirit of like what, how to move forward. And I was crying out to God and really in absolute distress. And then there was this moment where, um, not the audible voice, but a very, but I knew exactly what the words were. were right. That was like, here's what to do. Right. And the peace that that brought deep inside, you know, unexplainable. Yeah. And it wasn't something I planned or tried. I was asking just for anything, you know? So those are times where I felt like lately or not, that one wasn't lately, but profound moments that have stuck to me where it's like that felt like the spirit. Um, but, uh, but in the past, I, I kind of wish people would have talked more about those things when I was younger in the Pentecostal circles, because I tended to think of it as, as only in terms of stuff that happened in intense moments of group prayer right. or intense moments of gathered worship. Right. And I don't want to minimize, I don't want to throw that baby out with the bathwater, but I'm saying some of my most profound moments have been sure. different than that. Right. And I mean, I, I think that what happens, and it's hard because God created our emotions. Mm-hmm. And so God uses our emotions to speak to us. Of course. But at the same time, uh, I think probably over the last 50 years, church in general has, uh, because of the revivalist movement, has changed, has, has staged itself in such a way that emotional manipulation yeah. is a center part of church. Yep. And I think that's really dangerous. And I think probably your church and our church is a response to trying, trying really hard not to be emotionally manipulative. Right. Um, I think sometimes that bites us in the butt. Sure. A sometimes bit. we might, we might mute, um, you know, in moments of emotion that could be very good and helpful. Right. 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 Sure. And also maybe we don't know how to really deepen. Like I think part of it is that, that God is calling us to a deeper emotional experience. Instead of maybe a weekly surface emotion mm-hmm. where, where the, the, the music is so, uh, it has such an intensity and, and a, a quality that it stirs something in us. Right. And we begin to live for that instead of actually maybe what we're being called to in the kingdom and through the gospel. Um, or like when we speak, like people, if you speak in a very dramatic yeah, way, sure. 
people are going to say, oh, well, that was such a great message. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just my emotionalism. Yeah. And so and that's, that's the, kind of a, a, a dance that you're playing there. That's that's a it is, and it's and it's hard because none of these things can be utterly divorced from one another. Like the fact that you can emotionally manipulate with the way that you speak does not mean that you should try not to speak convincingly. Like right. you should care and try to organize your thoughts in ways that are meaningful and impactful. If you're saying a meaningful and impactful thing, right? But not with the goal of manipulation, right? So it all gets at like, yeah, what, why? And so what worries me is when there's a precedent set in a church where we must feel that we've experienced the Holy Spirit regularly. Because then I think what happens is you kind of figure out how to build that feeling. Right. Um, but if like, if the goal is like, I must, I must speak the words of God convincingly, you know, then sometimes that's going to bring, sometimes people will be callous to it. Sometimes people will be encouraged. Sometimes people will be, um, I mean, sometimes like <laughs> Paul's sermon, somebody's going to fall asleep, asleep and fall out fall the window, the window. <laughs> and need to be resurrected. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then uh, you have your experience. <laughs> and then there it is, right? Like, but it, but it doesn't, um, when it becomes a formula, that's when I get the most concerned. Yeah. But I love, I mean, I've had, there have been church services where I walk away and go, man, I was just humdrum. And there have been other ones where I, I'll say, there was something different tonight. Yeah. yeah. And the and the the connection of people's hearts to one another and to what was said and yes. to their response in the music was all felt real and true and good and appropriate. Right. I kind of, I have two, I have two thoughts on the way the spirit acts yeah. in our churches and maybe our freedom to, to, to experience that and receive it. I think one is when I pray and I usually pray a very Trinitarian prayer in the sense of addressing the father and the son and I address the spirit, but what I always pray for the, from the spirit is that he would one or he, whatever, would give us courage to mm-hmm. believe what's true. Because I think that's a big part of what the Spirit of God does is bring truth to light. So right. give us the courage to believe it. And two, to not hold it against the way it's said. Hmm. Against, like, don't allow that to be the block to truth. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of us saying, okay, I'm open to the Spirit no matter how Andy says it, no matter how the band sings it, no matter how the people speak it to me. Like, I want to be open to what Jesus is trying to say through the Spirit of God through his community. I think the other one that I've been convicted of more lately is that this is an impossible job without the Spirit of God. Right, just the whole thing. And so being on our knees praying as elders and as a community, the more, that like, less administration. Administration can fall apart, and that's fine if the Spirit of God is moving. I mean, I know you need to administer things, but prayer has to be a priority in all aspects of your community and of your life. Yeah. Because that's where the spirit is groaning yeah. <laughs> and saying the things that we can't say and engaging God in a way that is, I think, going to be transformative to the community and break through in places where maybe you're just hitting your head as an individual or as a leader trying to help people and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and I have to confess that I don't do that enough. I'd not actually, my instinct is not 
to first say, okay, God, Spirit, I need your help. I'm going to get on my knees and pray. It's how do I figure this out? And what is, yeah. what are the things I need to do? Sure. Um, which is kind of, you know, I think what gets you in trouble. And you see that as the New Testament moves along and Paul begins to deal with things, even in leadership with Peter, is that first it started with prayer and it's where they were saying things like, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. And then yeah. Peter's off just trying to figure out how to mesh cultures. Right. And, you know, and getting, you know, confused. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, there's so much more we could say, but I think that's, that's a helpful, you know, start. I, I guess, I guess what I, I just want to like, I, I want to advocate for, the the fact that there are so many things that are not um, that may not seem like the spirits moving moving that indeed are you know like that and there's there's wording in the Old Testament of the still small voice and just the little guidance in prayer and and honestly I mean my mom and I were talking last night um, about the the ways that our life didn't lives didn't go the way that we wanted, but the ways in which like God has been faithful and realizing the spirit of God is like active in guiding things in ways we wouldn't guide them. And then like comforting our hearts through things we do not understand and giving us faith and just little tidbits of hope that are not of our own, you know, developing and, you know, so I don't know. I just, I guess I want to advocate, especially for those ways in which God's spirit is active and, and just kind of say to our people out there, like be, be encouraged in the fact that the spirit's highly, highly involved in all of those things and and when there is like a more palpable experience that sweet that's great and that i think that can happen but but it doesn't mean it's not happening the rest of the time sure yeah well before we end i would be curious because we started off with you saying your church is trying to figure out the language that it's using and can you talk a little bit about like where you guys are on that and how you feel about the language you would use publicly in a service to yeah. talk about the spirit of God? Yeah, interestingly, you mentioned the kind of the your Trinitarian prayer, and I've appreciated the experiences I've had with you and your church on that. And we've adopted a, a version, probably not quite what you do, but just we've kind of taken sure. the general idea of that and and adopted it in several ways. Um, so. So, I mean, every time we meet for some kind of, uh, especially elders, and I've encouraged in our small groups that there be prayer that's specifically, you know, asking, like, for the work of the Spirit and engaging with the Spirit. Um, we in in church, like, even the opening prayers, um, we've tried to, you know, use that similar language spirit of God. I mean, there have been times where I've, for instance, just said, God, would you please by your spirit impress what is true uh, of, of my words today on, on people's hearts and be a discerning uh, help, you know, help for them. So just kind of, especially in, in prayers, 
I, I like say. that. Just to, like as a side note, I really like that because I've been kind of pushing against our leaders to stop praying the, you know, like kind of against themselves when they're preaching and uh-huh. saying, you know, Spirit, take, like, you know, like speak for me, you know, don't let my words get in the way. Yeah. And I think it takes away from the fact that you're, a, a, you have a, an identity in Christ as a priest. Yeah. He's created you to have good words to say. Sure. So it's more the Spirit of God using those words yeah. and your nature and your character to impress sure. upon people. So I like the way you hmm. say it. It doesn't minimize you, but it also says the Spirit's the one in front. And I think that's hmm. a, a really cool... And I uh, probably said it both ways <laughs> now that you mentioned it. But that was very but, articulate the way you said <laughs> it that time. So that, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. And uh, thanks. And... I mean that's that's kind of where we've we've landed because we do want we we want to be careful um, not to speak in a way that that suggests that like the spirit is going to do something that we're expecting right now or something you know but but also to express an openness to being led uh, by the spirit and I think some of it and and for those of our church listening I kind of want to say some, more of it's in the background of especially. Um, leaders of our church asking for the spirit's guidance in ways that you may not even see, or you don't know we're asking that. Right. Right. Um, and I would ask you to ask for it too. Right. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't need to be necessarily like the, yeah, like something that's always advertised out like in our gathering that, Hey, here's the, we're asking the spirit to show up. I, I happen to think, you, you can't disinvite the spirit as a Christian the spirit is with you and right. is here um, and will do what he, he wants. But, but to express, I think there's a right expression of asking for willingness and help and and, and saying, I, I submit myself to your, to your will and your guiding. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, a lot of that's being done. Yeah, definitely. In a private prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Sure. Yeah. And you know, I think it's hard for people who come into the community, even when they're definitely engaged in your church, uh, what they understand and what they see is the visible. And they deduce yep. what's happening in the invisible behind the scenes. Right. Based on what's the visible. You know. Yeah. I remember so reasonable. we we you know, Mark Lauterbach. We mm-hmm. all know Mark. And We're hanging I, out with Mark all weekend this week. Okay, well, he yeah. may he may disavow this, but <laughs> he said in the younger days of his life that perception is everything. Hmm. Like what people perceive in your community is to them what is true. Right. And so it's not that you're trying to control perception, but you have to realize that that's yeah. what they believe to be real as yeah. you lead them. And so that's... Well, and I think there's a there's a part of that for us too because we we have expressly decided as a church that we care about people who are uncomfortable in the church. And I wouldn't I I think we're okay at that. I think we're learning how to do that. But part of that is we would like for someone to come to church for the first time and not and and have have a sense that they understand the language and that they understand what's yes. happening here. So that's part of why we're not just getting up and saying, come Holy Spirit. Um, 
I mean, there's some of that. And even like, sure. it's like in certain doses, but we're trying to, tr- trying to make this a space where anybody can sit down and listen. Um, now there are moments of like in like personal prayer, if you come and say as a believer to me, like, Hey, like, let's, will you please pray for this? I'm struggling with this temptation where the language I might use in that prayer would be far more specific. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking to this gathering of people that where we think like, we don't know where all these people are coming from. Um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, speak in ways or attempt to speak in ways that are accessible to them. Yeah. Um, and so that, that has something to do with why, why some of the, the highly, um, spiritually charged language is dropped in those moments, um, is because we're, we're trying to make this accessible, which, which I don't know that every church has to do that. That's just a conviction of ours. Yeah. Um, accessibility is a yeah, value accessibility here is a value at the village, village right? So yeah. How do you, how do you, uh, apply that in this situation? Well, I mean, I think that's, I was thinking about it while you're talking and I was thinking, well, I, uh, for us with the spirit of God, it's, we have to teach on it a lot. Yeah. And so, I mean, we have sections where we just teach on the Spirit. And in particular, it's helpful that we have our little Trinitarian format of prayer yeah. that we teach in our pilgrim groups. Um, we practice it sometimes in our monastic communities. And then it's taught on publicly. So at least as people are coming in, they're hearing it. I think people expect some kind of, like, I'm not going to know what's going on. Sure. So they, yeah, and there always is that. Yeah. It still is. It's We're just, having church, right? And it is a worship of a God and His right. Son Jesus Christ, right? Right. Yeah. But I try to do things like when we do the creed, I say, you know, I talk about it being a statement that doesn't have negotiation. So we're telling people, hey, when you hear us quote this, this is what we believe. So if you really want to know what we believe, that we're not going to like debate: does God exist or is there right. a Trinity? Well, you can you can hear it in the creed. I say, you know, and anytime I'm talking in the Old and New Testament, I take the two minutes to explain the difference between the Old and the New. Right. Or if I'm speaking in the Gospels, I'll go and say, well, there are these four, and this is why, how the, the New Testament breaks down and what a Gospel is. Because yeah. I know that people out there have no concept yeah. of this. And so I try, even in sermons, if we're going to talk about the Spirit of God or He's read, to quickly do like, you know, a minute version of the trinity so that they understand little asides yeah because it's kind of we're we're catechizing people now in the service because we don't have catechisms in the sense of the children the people are unchurched mostly coming in they're not growing generation after generation they Um, don't come in with uh with that yeah. storage of knowledge they don't they don't yeah. understand the bible and then have just decided not to follow it and now are coming right. back they don't even know yeah the bible and even those who've grown up in christian families i found don't know what that they, they they don't they haven't been catechized mm-hmm. um a lot some have some have but i see the ones who've been catechized more are people who've gone through you know college ministries like navigators or campus crusade or university yeah. where they get a catechism of sorts yeah there they learn about the Bible and its truths. And yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling we've uh, had a good conversation. I think we have had a good conversation. So I should say that.